the best part of your career? Getting to be part of little ones learning to eat their first foods or drink their first drink. All right. And your least favorite part of your career? Vomit. Getting puked on by the little ones that are learning how to eat and drink those first foods. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome. You're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, a podcast show that pulls back the curtain on what a career in health and wellness is really like. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I have a fantastic guest. I'm not kidding you. This guest is just very unique. She is, she's passionate. She's knowledgeable, super knowledgeable about her career uh, and her, her particular profession. And she is also very open about her own her own past and her own history and how it led to her own career. So it's just a lot of gems, a lot of emotional experiences and insight in this episode. And so who I'm going to talk to is Michelle Dawson in South Carolina. She is a speech language pathologist in SLP. Now, this is the second speech language pathologist I'm having on this podcast. And the first one being Leanne Porter. Uh, And just like Leanne, I found Michelle through her podcast. And Michelle's podcast is called First Bite. And I'm just fortunate to have both of them on. They they have great experiences in both their respective fields. Now, Leanne, as I've learned by talking to him, has more of a focus on in her career as an SLP in academics, in a hospital, with adults. And you'll see that Michelle has a very unique focus as well, which is more home-based and with kids. And we'll see how that's different. And just like Leanne, they have this podcast but and a website, and they have a, a great presence on, on Instagram. And both of them, if I can say for both of them, also do their podcast to help educate other SLPs, which is getting great feedback, great responses. In other words, they get continuing education credits by listening to their podcast. So you know that there's got to be value in what they're bringing to their community. And so uh, I'm just lucky to have both of them. Uh, on this podcast. I think you're going to really get a lot from this uh, as I did and just really enjoyed it. And so without much further ado, let's jump into this. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome. I uh, I have another great guest with me. Of course, it's another great guest with me today. I have a speech pathologist and her name is Michelle Dawson. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so let's just jump into it. Okay. If you don't mind. Absolutely. All right. A quick bio about yourself. Beautiful. Um, I did my undergraduate degree from Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And then I did my master's degree at James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And I was going to do a PhD, but instead I decided to get divorced. So that happened. Life alteration mm. plan. And I did – it was actually for the best. So huzzah. Um, I <laughs> his then, loss. His loss. And then <laughs> – I uh, did my clinical fellowship year at uh, Riverside Walter Reed Hospital in Gloucester County, Virginia, which is about yay big. Mm. And uh, I, I worked there for a few years. And then my I'm happily remarried. And then my husband and I moved to Columbia, South Carolina. 
And I got into the world of early intervention, which truth be told, going from a hospital to uh, early intervention pediatrics, I didn't want to do because kids are gross. However, <laughs> turns out I love them and I found my niche in the world and I worked in private practice. I owned my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy for years yeah. and uh, just recently accepted a position as coordinator for clinical services as well as clinical assistant professor, I think is the technical title. And I specialize in pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders. As a speech language pathologist, are you only taking care of kids? Oh, no. Our our profession is- No, just just you. Oh, just me? Oh, yes. yes. For me personally, yes. I, Got it. I only treat um, incredibly medically complex birth to about 10 or 12. Got it. What are the usual steps to achieve your professional degree? So um, most individuals have a bachelor's degree in something related to biology or health science, exercise physiology, early childhood education. Those are good uh, bachelor's level choice. Then you have to attend a either an accredited or a candidate for accreditacy graduate program. For example, the university that I work with is a candidate for accreditacy. It's a five-year process. Um, and you have to have your master's embedded within that master's program. You have 375 clinical clock hours of external clinical practicum sites. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of hands-on training across the life continuum. And then you have to pass the praxis, which is our board exam, which is a beast. However, in today's world, you find out immediately after taking the test if you pass the test versus really I'm old. Yeah, I had to wait six weeks and these yeah. kids walk out the door and they know if they passed. And I'm like, you don't have the agony of those <laughs> six weeks waiting on the mail. <laughs> and then um, you, you pass the praxis, you get your master's degree conferred, and then you go into your clinical fellowship year. And your clinical fellowship year is on average nine months of full-time work. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me, but I think it's 1,200 hours. Okay. It might be 1,500. And that's supervised. And you're supervised by an individual who already has their certificate of clinical competency from our national association. And after you have successfully completed your master's, your praxis, your clinical fellow, then you get your coveted C's. Your Certificate of Clinical Competency. CCC. CCC. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And then and then the world is your oyster. And you can start working. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. The best part of your career. Getting to be part of little ones learning to eat their first foods or drink their first drink. All right. And your least favorite part of your career. Vomit. Getting puked on by the little ones that are learning how to eat and drink those first foods. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an unfortunate side effect. <laughs> Good to know. Yep. Um, that's just a little quick bio. Let's dive in a little bit more about what you do day in, day out, and what's it like to be a, a SLP in your world. You take mostly care of mostly kids. Yes, sir. Almost 100%. Yes. Tell us what kind of kids you're taking care of. So um, when I get called in, I am getting the most complex patients. I am getting the least of these. I'm getting patients that have recently graduated from the NICU and they're on homebound services, too fragile to even make it to an outpatient clinic. I go to patients' homes where they have uh, trachs and vents set up. Uh, most of my patients have um, NGG, um, various types of feeding tubes. 
A lot of my patients are nonverbal and I'm working on getting them a communication device, which is really cool. I love working with little ones when we're working on like eye gaze and they're using their eyes to request the food that they want to eat. It's amazing. And then I'm like, yes, you can have all the cookies. I mean, only if it's safe. (laughs) (laughs) Only if it's safe. But it's, it's phenomenal. I get so many first moments, first words, first Mm. foods. And with that, because of the nature of the patients that I treat, some of them are palliative or hospice care patients. So occasionally I have a little one that, you know, crosses over. And, but this is, um, this is what I've been called to do. So, yeah. What exactly do you help them out with? These uh, are the patients you take care of, but what do you, mm-hmm. without getting too technical, what's one or two examples of how you actually help these young ones out? And we're so, talking about a few months old. Yes. Or weeks old. A few months old. old, or it could be, they could be a couple weeks or old. S- they could be a couple months, couple years. Um, most of my patients come to me and they have a diagnosis of oropharyngeal dysphagia. So something's wrong with either their mouth or various stages of their throat and they structurally can't swallow. So it's my job to teach them how to latch onto a bottle. Um, I have my CLC, my certified lactation um, counseling certificate. So I can also help them um, latch onto a breast. And it's my job to know what strategies, how to pace them on a bottle when they need and to teach the families how to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're a little bit older and they're cognitively and f- developmentally from a physical perspective, like gross motor, fine motor, able to sit upright and they're ready for first foods. It's my job to teach them how to feed themselves, how to chew safely so that they don't accidentally and inadvertently aspirate. And embedded within all of those moments, I add in language acquisition. So I'm doing two jobs, two roles. Are you roles teaching them in, how to speak? Mm-hmm. Whether it be ASL or on a communication device. I um, I laugh and joke. I never really teach kids how to talk, talk. Like when it comes to syntax and grammar, I'm out. If you're combining more than three or four words, then you don't need me. You need the next speech therapist. Um, but I, I'm kind of like the first step. Like if they've been in NICU, I'm the second step. But I'm that in-between stage where... We're just starting to learn to eat and drink. And I stay with my families until they are on what I call a functional diet for them. Mm -hmm. Not all of my patients will be able to completely come off of a feeding tube. They may have a cardiac condition, a um, a, a metabolic condition, um, various disorders and diseases. So they may always need a feeding tube for substance. We call it quantity. However, once they've hit a healthy, happy, functional quality by mouth, then I've done my job. Okay. All right. So you're definitely improving the quality. Yes. A little bit of quantity of of the swallowing and the speech. Yes. And um, what I focus on, it's called pediatric feeding disorder. And uh, there's a great website called Feeding Matters, and they're a international nonprofit that focuses on um, interprofessional practice. They tie in GI, um, registered dietitians, nurses, occupational therapists, speech pathologists such as myself, mm-hmm. um, 
ENTs, uh, otolaryngologists, they, and families with a huge emphasis on families, and they pull all of us together to be able to serve these patients. And it's because of their work. We actually have an R code, which is super detailed, but we actually have an R code coming out this October because of their interdisciplinary work, which is fantastic. So we'll actually be able to code for the thing that we do. (laughs) So you got to work with these young kids maybe just even a few years old and not much beyond that, but also with the families very intimately. Oh, very much so. What I focus on the most is parent-family coaching because there is, statistically, there's 168 hours in a week and I am there one hour once a week. Mm -hmm. It is the training of the skills that I have with the caregivers, whether it be parents or foster parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, brothers, sisters, It is me pouring into that individual or group of individuals that makes the difference in the 167 hours. Mm. So that's that, that one hour is but a drop in a bucket. And then it's watching them progress that makes the difference. And you have to be impactful in that small amount of time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to have a long term benefit. Yes. What is your typical day like? Very fast paced which suits me perfectly. Um, I'm sure by now everybody has seen me talking with my hands and gesturing. And I, um, I laugh because I do have, I have a touch of the ADD and a touch of the ADHD. So I don't like to sit still. Um, and this, this, this profession was perfect for me because I crawl on the floor. I chase after tiny humans. Um, we have so much fun. I mean, my patients might be in a wheelchair and they're, utilizing a communication device to say, go, 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 stop. And we're racing after each other. Mom might be pushing somebody in a wheelchair and I'm chasing after them with their device. And it's, it's so much fun. I personally, in the world of home health, um, I normally see about four to five patients a day. So in my personal day, I wake up really early. My hubby makes me coffee, drop the kids off at school. And then I start seeing different patients across the area. Now, where I live in Columbia, it's city to rural. Okay, let me rephrase that. It is not city like your city. Um, it is Columbia compared to New York is like, I mean, we're like um, a suburb, right? Yeah. But um, yes, it's it's our version of a city. But then we go rural. Uh, you're talking tobacco fields, cotton fields, like mm. it is. And um, I have to have a st- Steady, sturdy GPS because I've gotten lost. Um, I've been pa- attacked by a pack of chihuahuas and sheep. Um, not on the same day, thank the Lord. That would have been too much. That's a story. <laughs> that is too. But I'm going into their homes. Yeah. And I am bringing the skill set that I have and I'm meeting them right in their natural environment. And it gets me an opportunity to work with individuals from all cultural backgrounds and to one thing when you're pregnant and you're doing home health, everybody in the world will feed you. So I'm there teaching their tiny humans how to eat and drink. And then um, they would perpetually feed me in the process, which was great. I love to eat. I mean, that's probably why I like feeding disorders, but... It's a little bit for you and a little yes. bit for me. <laughs> Miss Michelle gets three bites and then two bites for you. <laughs> um, so yeah. you actually go in your practice, uh, you go to a lot of SLPs work in the academics and hospitals. Yes. But yes. you 
work a lot in the, in people's homes. Yes. Yes. I do home-based services. And I did that through my private practice. And then when I took the position at the university, I transferred my patients over um, because that I love what I do. And mm -hmm. that is uh, we, I am proud to say that we are the first uh, university in South Carolina that's treating pediatric feeding and swallowing disorders uh, on campus and in homes. And so that's, um, Yay for Francis Marion. And, uh, <laughs> um, check us out, y'all. But, uh, <laughs> but it is absolutely wonderful because I've, I've worked in outpatient clinics. I've worked in hospitals. I mean, I've worked in all the settings you could possibly work in our profession with the exception of the NICU. But that's because my own child was in the NICU and I, yeah, I, I couldn't do that. My mommy heart trumps my clinical heart and going into the homes. I get to be, I get to be a detective. I rarely get complete medical records. I have to learn how to advocate. I have to learn how to navigate the medical world, the transition to public schools under special education law. I have to learn how to advocate the societal needs, um, such as, um, food banks and food groups and, I get to make the most impact, I think, for good. Despite all this, there are some misconceptions of people have about SLPs. Huh. Yes. What are they? Um, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, top two, top yes, three. Top two. Uh, most people think when you say that you're a speech therapist or a speech language pathologist, they immediately say, oh, you help somebody make their R sounds or make a sound, right? Oh, um, yes. There are, there are speech therapists that do that. Yes, yes. Uh, my very dear friend, Dr. Angela McLeod, she helped my own youngin because Bear was a preemie and we had hearing loss. And so yeah. she was his speech pathologist, actually, this little, this little booger right here. Um, and, and he, he had years of speech therapy to learn how to do his sounds. But that's not all that we do. And then the biggest misconception that I see is when, because of the world that I work in, when I say, oh, I'm in early intervention, everybody thinks all I do is an unskilled play with the child. Hmm. And I kind of spin it. What I do is I treat the one aspect of our job that if I do it wrong, I could kill a patient. Because dysphagia and a feeding disorder, they could aspirate, they could die. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I do it with the least amount of resources because medical records within a hospital system stay within a hospital system. Mm -hmm. It very rarely transfers and trickles down to private practices. Yeah. And there's a huge disconnect between IDEA Part C, Special Education Law Part C, and how it's interpreted at the um, early intervention level, early intervention is designed to be academic, but we are rescuing and having patients survive that five years ago, they would have died in the NICU. And until IDEA Part C starts mandating that they include a list of current medical conditions, medications, um, therapeutic restrictions, diagnoses, and disorders the entire system is currently broken. So I'm kind of hoping that like one day we can fix that. So I put the problem out there and then give strategies and solutions for fixing that because mm -hmm. we need our medical community and our SPED community to come together starting at birth. So you're definitely working 
like you said, out in the rural areas, you're working mm-hmm. with limited resources. Totally get it. You're definitely much more hands-on than people realize. And I think that's great that you helped to bring that out in this venue to about your career. So you mentioned part of the best part of your career is you get to be there for a lot of firsts. Yes. Are there other parts that you, um, are the rewarding parts of your job? When you have a patient reach the point that they can have their G-tube removed. That's mm. amazing. I mean, cankles. Do you wait? Do you know what a cankle is? Yeah, it's when the 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 knee and joins with the foot, but there's no ankle. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. I didn't know if that was just <laughs> visually, like a- visually, not <laughs> yes. anatomically. Yes. Visually. Yes. yes. It's so I, big and round. I get to make baby cankles, and they're the cutest thing in the world. Is little bitty <laughs> chubby baby cankles. That's like my non-official job description is baby cankles, and but that's but I get to help. Think back of every one of your favorite memories growing up when you're a kid, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably mm-hmm. all involve food. I mean, at least for me, but I was also a well-rounded child, <laughs> like circumference-wise. So food is food is life there, right? Mm-hmm. You you have your family traditions, your 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 heritage is surrounded around these little giant gatherings. And I get to make those events accessible to my patients. Mm. And that is amazing. That's some deep stuff, Michelle. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. How would you describe your work-life balance? Oh, personally, it sucks. But <laughs> that's because I don't know how to say no. Um, I, um, For me, pers- okay, so if I just did my job – it would be great, right? I take right. my kids to school. I go see my five patients. I type my notes up at the end of the therapy session and then I come home. However, um, my, um, my daddy raised me such that if you see a problem in the world with one breath, you can gripe about it with the next you work to resolve it. Now that is the G rated version of what my dad said. So like, eh, farm <laughs> life, right? But, um, so I have spent the last several years heavily volunteering. So I'm past president of our state speech pathology association. Um, I volunteer with um, a couple of um, national associations for the advancement of um, pediatric feeding disorders. I'm, tr- I'm past treasurer for the council of state association president. So I've done all of yeah. that, which that's where the bal I struggle with the balance, but that's because there's so very much that has needed to be um, repaired, recovered, um, implemented policy changes that we've had to advocate for, which are all incredibly super technical and detailed. But we've been able to do that because because I've been surrounded by amazing colleagues that have as much passion as I do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, that is really truthfully, in retrospect, I think I probably volunteered as equally as I've worked. So like mm, – so in other words, you you can make this a nine to five, yes. but you do work after hours. You're doing all these other advocacy, community, um, and society activities. Yes, that's related to your specialty, yes. and you enjoy it. You're you're passionate I love about it. it. Yes, you love it. That's awesome. All right, so let's talk about your profession. What do you think the future outlook is like um, for I, your profession? Amazing. I do believe that we, there was one poll that speech language pathologists raked, um, number seven job satisfaction Hmm. and within allied health medical communities, like, um, which is amazing. And here's an issue that I have. 
Um, as of 2019, the American Speech Language Hearing Association, 91.7% of my colleagues are Caucasian. 99. 91.7% are Caucasian. And that is, in my humble opinion, a significant problem. Because and how many are women? Oh, well, probably about 97%. I don't have that number. But yeah. it, we're all, honestly, it is predominantly, um, we're a field, and I can say this because I fall in that category, of 30-year-old middle-income white ladies. However, that is not respective of our nation as a whole. Mm-hmm. And that has to change. Mm-hmm. We have to diversify. We have to engage in community outreach and and education and um, cultural respect and growth. And so I, I am in hopes of the outreach initiatives and the outreach projects that I've been a part of that we actually change the makeup of my profession. Um, there is, I, I, I forget the technical term, but it's something convergence, medical convergence or professional convergence. I can't remember the first word, anomia. Mm. Sorry, anomia means word loss. <laughs> Speech pathology joke. <laughs> um, but it is, it is. <laughs> For an anesthesiologist was like, what? <laughs> You're just not, not yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds yes. about right. Yeah, yeah. But um, with that convergence, it says that you are more likely to take the feedback of the medical professional and speech pathologist or allied health um, of the individual if they look like you. Th- that's that's true. That's accurate. But also, I know the culture that I grew up in. I I, I don't know the others. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. However, I I can't say that I'm culturally competent because I didn't grow up in that culture. And I don't think we're ever truly culturally competent in another culture unless we've lived that culture, right? So, for example, we have – Asha has the Minority Student Leadership Project Initiative, which um, – uh, offers an opportunity for graduate speech language pathology students to engage in, um, that have minority cultural backgrounds to engage in meeting leaders and becoming and learning all these leader skill sets from across the nation. Here in South Carolina, we had horrible atrocity happen at the Mother Emanuel Church. There was a massacre several years ago, mm. but we lost one of our own, Sharonda Coleman Singleton. Um, she, um, she, she died at the scene and she was a speech pathologist. So Skisha, the South Carolina Speech Hearing Association, we made a thousand dollar scholarship for a minority speech language pathologist that, um, carries her values. Uh-huh. And, and this is something that I feel incredibly passionate about. So there's, we have to get the word out about our profession to individuals from all walks of life across this country because we need that. I, I feel I very see, strongly about I that. I see that. And you guys are doing that. And you start with little things like the scholarship. Yes. That's great. Yes. What type of students you believe best flourish in this career? Hmm. That is a very interesting question because it depends on the setting. For instance, if you're a pediatric therapist like myself, mm-hmm. it helps if you are um, 
Darlin, if you're listening to this right now and you can't sit still and you're listening to the podcast and you're walking or you're running or you're grocery shopping or you're multitasking, you are destined to be a pediatric <laughs> speech pathologist. Now, um, if you are listening to this podcast and you are um, uh, hyper-focused on notes or one other activity and you're very intense, you're probably going to make a killer acute inpatient adult rehab clinician, right? Interesting. But there's, there's very – it's very interesting to me to meet – I can peg who's the acute medical SLP versus who's the peds <laughs> SLP. Well, I mean, look at me. I'm the peds SLP. I've got brightly colored scrubs and a beaded jewelry, right? Um, but even within our scope, there's, there's so many different microcosms of yeah. t- what we can do. Um, which I love that about us. We're kind of like chameleons. We adapt. Uh, but for me, particularly, don't be grossed out by vomit. Be able to handle mucus plugs and boogers. Um, and, and you may get bit. So wow. just, yeah, you may get bit. So just remember, feed the bite. Okay, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I work so with a lot of individuals that have autism spectrum disorders. And so if somebody clamps down on you, and I had one little guy bite me through a cable knit sweater over scrubs one time. Okay. And, um, no, I got infected. I had to get a shot. Oh, my God. Um, It was horrible. But All right. This podcast is meant to entice people into your <laughs> occupation, not pull them back well, away from I it. I mean, it's, it's all – I mean, to be fair, he also had one word and he used it very functionally. It was a four-letter word and he was a love biter. So if he mm. loved you, he bit you. But you just – if they clamp down, feed the bite, it engages the gag reflex, they let go and then – and he was happy, but I mean, occupational hazards. <laughs> yes, minor occupational hazards that need antibiotics. <laughs> Good to know. Yes. Is there any th- other careers that you were considering growing up? Yes. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. I seriously considered being a lawyer because I, I love the opportunity for a righteous fight to, I mean, not, don't take that, don't misconstrue that. I don't go out looking for a fight, but and this is probably, um, I'm a domestic abuse survivor for my ex-husband. I am alive because I took the bullets out of a gun one night or I wouldn't be here. Mm. And nobody can see the scars that I have on the inside. Mm-hmm. And they're immense. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I have the opportunity to be a voice for survivors and I have an opportunity to um, help those that don't know how to have a voice. So it made me want to go to law school. And I had a full-blown panic attack when I was in the process of applying for grad school and didn't realize it was a panic attack. And so drove myself to the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack. And um, they brought in a man with the paramedic on his chest doing CPR, and he flatlined in the room next to me. And um, the doctor came in, uh, you know, to like tell me basically, you're just having a panic attack. And like, you know, little bitty 21 year old Michelle, like totally melts down. And he goes, what's really going on? And I was like, I mean, how do I tell this man? I mean, at the time I was in a abusive relationship with my ex. I was scared. He was a white male physician in a position of power. I just saw another man die in the room next to me. And I'm having a life crisis about, do I be a lawyer or do I go Mm. be a speech pathologist? And, And another divine intervention, God moment. And he was like, you're gonna do something good, kid. 
You're overthinking the whole thing. And it was, it wasn't passive. It wasn't flip it. It was just, it was just the wording. It was the affirmation that I needed to hear at that moment. So I think, I don't know what they gave me. They gave me something that totally made the world feel better. (laughs) So like, um, I got home and then finished the applications for grad school and I always wondered, but should I have been a lawyer? Mm. And then um, a mentor, Dr. Jackie Jones-Brown from South Carolina State University, she reached out and asked me to volunteer for our state speech pathology board. And she goes, I think you'd be great as the VP of governmental affairs. Mm. They work on advocacy initiatives. And it's a volunteer gig, but it was like, it was like an SLP who's a lawyer. I mean, not really a lawyer, but like you're kind of like advocating like a lawyer. And I was hooked. Yeah. I was, a great yeah. combination for you and your, what your interests were and your yes. background. Is there any advice that you would like to give a student that may be considering this career? Self care, start it now. In this profession, in any allied health profession or medical profession, You are called to it because you're called to help be a healer. You're called to be a healer. That's Mm -hmm. one of our, that's one of our gifts, right? However, with that, it can take a toll, especially if you're an empath and like, I know I am, right? Like, obviously, but, um, I can pour out to the point that I am wrung out. Have you ever heard that phrase? No. Okay, um, wrung out like your um, well, well I, like a towel, yes. Yeah, but I wrung haven't out. heard that term. Yeah, um, or the pour before. out like you're wrung out. Yep. Can you tell my family's from the mountains in Virginia? <laughs> um, and um, that is that is dangerous. Mm. And that's just good advice for any medical profession. So learning to find your balance in your self care. Um, for me personally, I. Um, my husband, I'm spoiled. He makes me coffee every morning. I pack his lunch, so I guess this is fair. But um, he makes me coffee every morning, fresh ground coffee beans, drip coffee over like cream. It's foo-foo-y, right? And I so need our time together in the morning set and prep for our day, right? Mm. Those those few moments, when I don't get those moments with him and like the kids wake up early or if I'm overslept because I hit snooze too many times on the alarm – then my day is off. But for me, that's self-care. You can take all the bubble baths and eat all the chocolate and drink all the wine. However, that won't recharge your batteries. Taking a walk in nature, doing yoga, learning tapping, learning um, belly breathing, prayer, the power of prayer. Pick your faith, but having those quiet moments, um, that those are self-care strategies that I use, and they do make a difference. Let's change gears a little bit here. Okay. We're going to do what I call my little rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. You ready? Uh-huh. What is your favorite type of movies to watch by yourself? The Piano. Sorry, that's my all-time favorite movie. Oh. I, I, it's so sad. Oh, I also like the witches. And if nobody, um, that like the original witches with like Angelica Houston and Practical Magic. Um, and I really like Elf, but I will watch those on repeat. <laughs> that is a diverse set of movies. Okay, got it. Yes. Um, yeah. what's your favorite type of music? Um, K Love, my Christian radio station. 
immediately followed by Dropkick Murphys. They're my favorite punk rock Irish band. What school activities and sports did you participate in? I was a ballerina until I shattered my toe and I couldn't dance anymore. And then I decided to play softball, but I was built like a ballerina and like I got bowled That's over a lot. That's an interesting transition. Yeah, I sucked at both, but it was so much fun. <laughs> so like, what comes easily for you that is more difficult for other people? I can talk to anybody. I can talk to anybody about anything and put them at ease. And I know that this is a gift. What has been your favorite vacation? I'm super nerdy, and my husband and I went to Washington, D.C. for our honeymoon, and we hit all of our favorite museums, and it was the greatest wow, thing ever. That, that, wow. What else memory? That's great. It was, it was awesome. We went to the National Not the one Spy I was Museum. expecting. No, no, but that was perfect. I mean, we ate the National Spy Museum in D.C. You can pay them, and they dress you up like a spy. Really? It's so cool. It's like, you're like, is that actually you? Because it doesn't look like you. That was really fun. And then I love all the um, art museums and the Natural History Museum. Yes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Talk to animals. We would learn more. We'd learn more about the universe and how the world works. What advice would you give your child or grandchild on their wedding day? I am a Christian, and I, I, my advice would be to put your faith first. Never go to bed angry. Mm. And love, learn to love deep. And I would highly recommend that they leave, read the five love languages. I mean, you can I read pick, it. Your, pick, yes, pick your mate any which way, but love that mate. Michelle, where can people learn more about what you're doing and what you're up to? So I have a um, a podcast. It was it's called First Bite, mm-hmm. Fed, Fun, and Functional, or First Bite, a speech therapy podcast. It's um, sponsored by Speech Therapy PD. It is the very first podcast in the world, as far as we know, that also counted as continuing education for speech pathologists. And we focus on all things interprofessional practice for um, pediatrics. So I interview. Um, different physicians, nurses, teachers, fellow speech pathologists. Um, we cover all the things and they are, um, they're paced like this, darling. They're just this busy and just this fun. I, you can follow me on Instagram at first bite pod, I think it's at first bite podcast or at first bite. I don't know. One of my girlfriends does that. Um, and I'm also, um, I have a book that should be out now. Um, oh, it's that's called, right. What's yes, the book about and what's it called? It's called Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding Swallowing Disorders. Thank you. And uh, it goes... And who is it written for? Um, it's it's written for SLPs, but um, I can see other members of the medical community that treat PFD using it. I can see parents using it, PFD? but it was uh, pediatric feeding disorders. Sorry. Okay. It is very funny. I open with a fabulous true story about the time I ate a flaming wiener um, at a Portuguese restaurant. It was a sausage. And then immediately got You hook them in. You hook them in. That's awesome. And then compare that to what it's like to have a pediatric feeding and swallowing disorder. And I promise, as squirrely as my ADD is, it makes sense. And uh, But I'm I'm there. I'm... I mean, honestly, if you type in Michelle Dawson's speech path, I normally just pop right up with my gray hair. So, yeah. Michelle, thanks for uh, coming on board. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You're amazing. And, and I have to sweet talking you into coming on First Bite and talking about pediatric anesthesiology. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's Yay! awesome. We'll do crossover. Yes. All right. We'll talk about that later. Perfect. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's our show today. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about today's guests or other past guests, just check out my website, healthcareerswithdrmar.com or hcwithdrmar.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on this podcast, then please go to my website, add your name and email to my email list. That way you can get the latest announcements and news as they arise. You can also find me on Instagram at drrichardmarn. That's Dr. Richard Marn. Thank you so much for listening and catch you on the next episode.